This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Wow, we are back. Happy Monday. Boom. Boom. No, seriously, boom. (laughs) Because guess what? I had a brain blast. Tell me. So you know how I had company over this past weekend? Yes. I will never do that again. Really? <laughs> Just because I will say this guest was a great guest. Uh-huh. I love spending time. Yeah. But I also love my space. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I realized that. Like, the way that I woke up this morning was like, so you have about 30 minutes to get out. Totally. <laughs> you're spreading yourself a bit too thin by your overscheduling, maybe. You're like, well, your yeah. cousin's filling your schedule with things, which is great. Yeah. You're so popular. Yeah. But you, you know. need time for yourself. <laughs> no, but it wasn't even just that. It was just the idea of wanting... You know, to come into my living room and just, you know, just see be it naked, being where it, where it you was. Know, run around. Turn on the TV whenever <laughs> I wanted to turn on the yep. TV, you know. And I will say, like, he he was so wonderful. Like, he also walked Coco. He bought food. Okay. He was a great guest. But for me, I just, I just realized once you have an, um, a roommate and you go to living by yourself, you never want to return back to ever having a roommate again. I don't know if I even want to ever live with a man, even if it's my significant other. Oh. We might have to do like two bed, like, like Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, like and a, her a two different apartment situation. <laughs> like I think that is very healthy. Yeah. So I've learned a lot coming from this, um, and I won't be doing it anytime soon, even though I'm doing it literally. Next week, yeah. my mom is in town. You're nonstop until after Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, my mom is in town, which is going to be nice, but I already tell her don't get on my nerves either. Oh, that's good. I'm sure by I'm telling her it's not going to happen. <laughs> you have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries. Well, good for you. I'm happy no. you've learned some things. Growth, huh? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of growth, Mm -hmm. coming up, how Britney Spears celebrated her newfound freedom. Yes. That's the two report in a moment. Freed Britney. Yes. Plus the research around laziness and if if it actually exists. That's at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Oh, wow. Whatever the answer this is might be the key to everything that you feel. You know, I'm I'm out of that vibe. I'm now in more of a balanced vibe. Oh, I love that. That's good. I didn't know yeah, you Yeah, and part that. of it, I think, was a bit of anxiety and low-grade depression. <laughs> but well, there you go. It'll All get right. you. It will get you. <laughs> Sneak up on you. All right, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Taiwan, an island nation in East Asia, will become the first country in the region to host the World Pride International events in 2025, following Sydney, Australia, who is hosting it in 2023. Their Pride spokesperson, uh, Darian Chen, said, This is the beginning of a four-year journey that we plan to ignite change in Asia to promote Interpride's mission and to advance human rights in the world, which is needed and very important. So, very exciting stuff in Taiwan, coming up in 2025. 
Now, President Biden held a signing ceremony for the bipartisan infrastructure bill today, sharing this. The bill I'm about to sign along is proof that despite the cynics, Democrats and Republicans can come together and deliver results. We can do this. We can deliver real results for real people. We see in ways that really matter. Congress passed the $1.2 trillion bill on November 5th after months of negotiations. The bill's passage marks a major bipartisan win for Biden and actually represents the largest single infrastructure investment in American history. And finally, closing arguments in the murder trial for Kyle Rittenhouse began today. In the latest blow to the prosecution, Judge Bruce Schroeder dropped count six against Rittenhouse, a legal possession of a firearm. The defense successfully argued that it is illegal for anyone under 18 to carry a short-barreled rifle, a rifle with a barrel shorter than 16 inch, uh, inches, but it is legal to carry a longer fi- rifle in Wisconsin. They found the loophole. So uh, I'm sure we're going to hear more updates very soon. Buildings around Kenosha were boarded up on Sunday in anticipation of potential riots and unrest. Some remain boarded up since last year. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk about how Britney is celebrating her newfound freedom. Well, it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Miss Britney Spears celebrated her first amazing weekend out from under her conservatorship by going out to dinner with her fiancé and toasting to the future. Quote saying this in a new Instagram post on this morning, she said, I actually got my first glass of champagne at the most beautiful restaurant I've ever seen last night. Um, She added that she doesn't plan on stopping the celebration at one glass of champagne. Quote this, uh, she said, I'm celebrating my freedom and my B-Day for the next two months. I mean, after 13 years, I think I've waited long enough. Um, She, of course, is turning 40 on December 2nd. She also took a moment to thank her attorney and fans for helping um, her get her life back. Quote saying, I'm so happy my lawyer... um, Matthew Rosengart came into my life when he did. He has truly turned my life around. I'm forever thankful for that. What a sight seeing so many people celebrating my victory. I love my fans so much. So thank you. With a little rose emoji. Um, and, I, you know, I'm happy to see how what this new era and new journey of her mm-hmm. life looks like. Because she is exuding happiness. Yeah. And I know this is not the last time we're going to hear her speak fully about it. I know just... Honestly, I know Britney, um, Oprah Winfrey is probably trying to get this Oprah, uh, right? this Britney Spears oh, interview. Yeah. That'd be I epic. just know she is. It's going to be good if she does. But that's your T Report. We got more coming up next hour. Stick around. Yes, we're moving on to politics. Steve Bannon has finally surrendered to authorities, but he says the fight against the Biden administration isn't over. What that means next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Steve Bannon has surrendered after he was indicted on charges of contempt of Congress. But here's what he had to say first to the media. We got the Hispanics coming on our side, African-Americans coming on our side. We're taking down the Biden regime. Every day, the focus, you got Raheem Jassam today, you got Dr. Peter Navarro, Captain Bannon. You're going to have Boris Epstein, the whole show, intense. We got polling out, economic data out, everything. I want you guys to stay focused, stay on message. Remember, signal, not noise. This is all noise, that's signal. Thank you very much. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. That is true. <laughs> Tom Jackman joins us right now, a true crime reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here for this. Hey, sure. Glad to be here. Well, were you surprised that he finally turned himself in? 
No, I mean, at some point, uh, they have to abide by the law. So uh, he was indicted on Friday, and his lawyers made arrangements for him to do that. And then he made it part of a show. He was sort of live streaming mm. it to his own podcast while he shows up at the FBI. And then he turns around, and he's got a camera there for himself. And he's, what we just heard was him speaking to his camera for his show. Uh, with all this stuff about who's going to be on his show later today. Wow. He's rattling off his guests Yeah, uh, before he goes in to be arrested by the FBI. Yeah, I mean, I'm not shocked that he's taking this moment and making it one big publicity stunt. Um, But I think a lot of people don't know how many people altogether have been subpoenaed so far. It's it's like 20 that we know of. 20, a lot of people. You know, uh, Michael Flynn, uh, Mark Meadows, who was the chief of staff, this guy McEntee, who wrote, uh, you know, the, the memo urging uh, that uh, the defense secretary be fired. Um, so a lot of people that were involved in the Trump administration in the waning months and weeks. Uh, Bill Stepien is 2020 campaign manager. Jason Miller, who's, you know, been all over the place but was not formally in the White House in 2020. So a lot, of, you know, at least 20 people have been subpoenaed. Okay. So what happens next in all of this? Some of them are complying. Some of them are going and meeting with the committee. They're not holding open hearings. They're interviewing people. Uh, so they want to interview people and know what was the planning for January 6th. You know, what was the, how did, how did you round up these people? How did you get them all to the Capitol? Uh, and so they're investigating that. Uh, and it, will, it remains to be seen how many of those 20 will talk. Some yeah. of them have. Uh, Mark Meadows, who was the chief of staff, actually showed up on Friday. I'm sorry, he did not show up for a deposition on Friday. He was scheduled for one and then he didn't show up. So I think what everyone wants to know, and I think something that Bannon has alluded to, is him knowing something kind of was going to take place on January 6th. Do we know how much he knew ahead of time? Or is that something obviously that we'll see kind of develop as this thing, you know, really happens? We know that there was a war room at the Willard Hotel, this hotel near the White House in Washington that Bannon was in, and a number of other folks uh, who were there uh, that night on January 5th, the night before, doing planning. They were consulting with the White House. Uh, So we know that there was, you know, a last, you know, January 6th eve, they were plotting uh, something. We don't know exactly what went on in that room. uh, And so... That's that's one of the things that the, the Congress is trying to find out. But, you know, what was happening in that command center, uh, which uh, had Rudy Giuliani in it, former New York mayor. Mm-hmm. Bannon was there. Bernie Carrick, the former New York police commissioner, was there. John Eastman, the guy who wrote the memo saying, oh, Pence can just throw out the states we don't like. Yeah. Uh, all those guys were in the room. And, and I was going to say, just, uh, on January 5th, actually, according to this article in Washington Post, on his radio show, Bannon said, all hell is going to break loose tomorrow, indicating that he had this foreknowledge about extreme events that would occur the next day. Exactly. That, you know, he, 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 puts, he tweets that. He, he says that on his radio show uh, as if uh, knowing that, uh, you know, that, that something was going to happen the next day. So how have other Republicans responded to this? What have we seen so far? They, uh, today, the response is very bureaucratic. Oh, they haven't followed the right process. They're violating uh, Office of Legal Counsel opinions. Uh, they're not really 
defending themselves on the merits of what happened in that room, what happened in those days prior to Jan 6. We have not heard uh, a real, uh, you know, substance-based defense with any with people saying, oh, no, we didn't coordinate any of this stuff. So that that hasn't happened. It's mainly just been trying to battle back against the investigations, uh, but not uh, what the substance is of, of their argument of what, what did they do? How do they defend themselves? You ask a great question. We don't know. All right. That was Tom Jackman, true crime reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you for being here. Good talking to you. Well, next up, the study revealing the pandemic's impact on our brain health. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, Let's Go There is back and COP26, the United Nations Climate Conference, has ended. So what were some of the takeaways from the biggest event bringing together world leaders around climate change? Christy Dretman joins us right now, host and founder of Brown Girl Green. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. And of course, you were on the ground there, so you have Which, all the cool. Yeah. Yep, I was there. I was there for two weeks. It, was, a, it was an intense space to be in. Yeah, what was that like? Like, give us a sense of the energy there. I mean, you have some of the biggest activists and politicians and lawmakers. Was this the thing that Joe Biden? You know, it was it 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 was really chaotic. It was you know there there was thousands of military men everywhere. You know, trying to be on alert for protests. Um, It was very logistically hard to go from different venue to different venue and. Um, overall, a lot of people couldn't even have badges to attend the event. Uh, people who come from countries that are on the front lines of the climate crisis, because a lot of these countries, um, the people who live there aren't vaccinated. So they weren't allowed to enter the UK to attend this conference. So there was a lot of barriers and inaccessibility this year in particular. Well, yeah, and I feel like the United States had to come into this really being apologetic for the past last past four yeah. years of Donald yeah. Trump's behavior, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So what 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 was some of the big moments that we really have to all as, a, you know, the globe work on if we're going to, I don't know, have a better climate? Survive. Yeah, yeah not die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I would say like the the short end of it is that um, this this climate negotiation is really disappointing. Um, a lot of young people, especially, were really disappointed in world leaders because um, basically they made commitments um, to keep the Earth under 1.5 degrees Celsius warming, which basically is like what we're already expecting: lots of droughts, lots of fires, lots of floods that we're already seeing now getting accelerated in, you know, the next uh, 20 years or so. So that we're already on trajectory for that. So the goal, the goal of these climate talks is to make sure it doesn't get any worse than that. But unfortunately, because a lot of these um, countries are not actually committed to getting rid of fossil fuels, um, they water down the language. And so people are really skeptical that they're going to be able to limit global warming to that already like pretty bad level, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And so that that was what came out of the negotiations. And the other, I guess, negative thing. I'll get to some positive things next. Um, the other negative thing is that um, wealthier nations in the Western world didn't actually commit um, to putting their money towards what's called loss and damage, um, which is basically acknowledging that there are countries that are on the front lines of climate change and actually putting money that would 
help them deal with those impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people viewed this COP as a failure for actually addressing that too. Yeah, that is, that is really lame. Like if, if you're going to be one contributing to climate change, not doing anything about it or yeah. acknowledging it and creating any sort of goals. And then if we yeah. know that fossil fuels are a big part of that and we're not changing that in any way, like what's yeah. the point? Yeah, exactly. It was that, you know, it's two weeks of people arguing over commas and paragraphs. And, uh, you know, those commas and paragraphs make the difference of people going underwater or not. So it's, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah. I would say, like, the good things that I saw was just such a large presence of activism from young people and from people from different countries around the world who were, out, you know, sometimes not even inside these negotiation rooms, actually most of the time not in these negotiation rooms, making art and making um, messaging and storytelling and talking about um, the businesses and the coalitions they want to create to address this if world leaders are going to be too slow to act. Um, of course, it, we're going to need both ends of it, but I thought that that was actually really exciting. I was part of the youth um, that, you know, marched in Glasgow and um, that was really, really inspiring to me that, like, we're not giving up hope and we're going to keep raising awareness on this, even if our world leaders fail to do so. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's the more positive part of it that I wanted to offer. So I guess, you know, when you're leaving something like this and yes, you feel empowered by all the activism happening, but the work has to take place. So do you know yeah. when some of this stuff takes full effect on the things that they did decide on? Yeah, I mean, actually, something that's coming up more, more, like, I guess you could say quicker, um, is that there was an agreement that um, countries by 2022 would need to, like, reevaluate what is called their um, nationally determined uh, contribution. So that's basically, like, what um, they're contributing greenhouse gas emissions-wise. And so there was, like, technically kind of like this, very heavily, like, heavy request um, by world by the people that were in the negotiation rooms to say, hey, countries, like, you need to actually, like, get really clear on this so that way by the time we're at the next COP, you actually are making more ambitious goals. Okay. Well, thank you so much for breaking it all down and joining us, and welcome back to the U.S. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was Chrissy Dretman, host and founder of Brown Girl Green. Uh, check her out everywhere, also on Instagram, at browngirl underscore green. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Well, next up, a viral Airbnb video is sparking a debate. We'll tell you what happened that could impact you at your next rental. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are you down to have a ring camera at your Airbnb, a camera that is watching you that belongs to the owner of that home. Well, ring cameras are normally at your front doors. Like, they see what's happening at your front door, yeah. packages being left, people who's ringing your door, you can see at your phone. Unless it's dispersed on your back doors, too, to see the backyard. Yeah, so this TikTok is bringing up this really big debate. An Airbnb guest was ca- covering up the ring camera, and the person who owns the house posted it saying... That time, this guest thought it was a good idea to put a towel over the ring camera, and he put bonehead idiot squad. But uh, it's brought up a really big conversation about privacy. You know, we were both at an Airbnb recently. We were in, you know, the hot tub enjoying ourselves. Yes. And I thought to myself, you know... I wonder because if if I if you own a house, you might have a camera in the back, like for security reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But that's something you can control and go back to. Like, what's the line for something that you rent or an Airbnb? Well, I don't think unless they're at the front door, that's the only time I find them okay. to be okay. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think they should be scattered throughout the house. If you are going into the Airbnb business, you also have to realize that there's some level of privacy that the people who are renting and paying money from you deserve. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just be sneaking on them or looking at what they're doing because it's just like well, what else are you watching? Are you watching me in the shower? Are you watching me? You know, you just like, there's all these things where you're, you just feel completely like a strip of privacy and it's, that's not okay. And it's like, I understand you want to make sure your house is okay and everything's fine, but like, what's the balance? Maybe if you're so worried, maybe you shouldn't be on Airbnb. That's kind of the risk you take. I think there should be a choice where the owner says, I do have a ring camera in these locations. Are you okay with this? And if not, I'm going to turn it off. But what if they don't? Well, then they like. You'll never illegal. know. How will you know? But now that would be. Illegal. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. How would you know then that if, they're they're well, actually you'd turning have to, it off? Like, no, I mean, how would you know anything? Like the idea is, it would be in an agreement, and if they do it, and they would keep it on, and you found out it would be illegal, they would get kicked off Airbnb and sued. I mean, like they wouldn't want to do that. But yeah. I, I I'm okay with the front door. I do think that for some people they might say, well, if you're like an anal retentive renter, you could be watching that and hearing people's conversations, seeing who's coming in and out. Exactly. I think that still is sketchy at the same time on the other side of it god forbid something happens you would want evidence and documentation if you were renting right yeah and that would be the only way but to you don't it. take you don't normally like take pictures of things before you leave an airbnb no but even like say you were sleeping and someone came in or like i don't know something happens that was bad that needed evidence not based on what you did but god forbid something happened when you were there like you would have wished that that um the ring camera was 
documenting it. Not necessarily, because if I'm, if I'm, let's say we were staying all in different rooms before I left, I took pictures of my rooms and in the areas that I cleaned up to make sure, just in case, no one could ever say that anything wasn't the way oh, I yeah, did as course. evidence. So, like, that's something that you could always. I mean, do. if someone came in and like stole something while you were there, or like, I w- then I think you would just do what you would naturally be like. Hey, there's something, you know. Yeah, but then you would have at least that, or say someone broke in. Yeah, like you would have that. At the front doors, which yeah. is nice, but I don't need them throughout the house. I think no, that's a that is weird. weird. And also, the backyard intense. is where things happen. You know, you're running around naked. I don't. What think, is up with I you and nudity? Want, I'm just saying, when you have your own place, are you just written out Airbnbs to get naked? <laughs> That'd be cool. A, I wish I had I the money. Know. To do I don't that. want to be naked in nobody else's house. In the backyard. Why would you, you be mean? in their what backyard? In the ba- what are you doing in the bedroom? You. This is a vacation spot. Of course, you want to run around naked. See, I don't. I think it's weird to have sex in uh, Airbnbs. Wait, or like, wait, what? Yeah, so, I do. What? If you rented an Airbnb with a partner That's somebody's or someone bed. you're dating, you're not. Other people are up? sleeping in that bed. What do you think about a hotel? I, I first of all, I'm not really staying at hotels like that. Oh, do you do, do you have sex anywhere? Well, <laughs> what would you like to know? <laughs> okay, well, next up, I think that's where we wrap this. I'm being serious. It's weird. This is fascinating to me. We'll have to dive in maybe off air. Now, how China is stepping up finally for trans youth. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, We are back with more music, of course, coming up right here on Channel Q. But we've also got some more show for you. Lin-Manuel Miranda's take on cancel culture. That's in a moment in the tea report. No one asks for that. You know, everyone has a take on cancel culture these days. And an Instagram hacker that forced their victim to make a hostage-style video. This is wild. It's like clickbait in real life. That's in 30 minutes. We'll tell you more about what's happening. Uh, First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. China launched its first medical clinic to treat transgender children and adolescents. The clinic opened at the Children's Hospital of Fudan University in Shanghai, saying that it will, quote, serve as a bridge between transgender children, parents, doctors, and the various circles of society, which is very interesting and surprising considering China's stance on LGBTQ rights. Homosexuality has not been illegal in China since 1997, but restrictions for LGBTQ people still remain. And even an advocacy group last week said that they are closing up indefinitely. So again, a very good, but also interesting move considering their current and past stance on everything. Now, according to CNN, Kamala's first year in office has been filled with exasperation and dysfunction. The news provoked a question from Fox News's Peter Ducey, of course, during the White House's press conference today. And Press Secretary Jen Psaki had this to say. Uh, I, I don't have any predictions of whether she will run, when she will run. I will leave that to her. But I can tell you that there's been a lot of reports out there and they don't reflect his view or our experience with the vice president. And so you guys have not heard that the vice president or key members of her staff are unhappy. Uh, Here's what I know, Peter. I know that the president relies on the vice president for her advice, for her counsel. Uh, She's somebody who is not only uh, uh, taking on issues uh, that are uh, challenging. She's not looking for a cushy role here. Uh, No vice president is, no president is. I mean, I can't imagine how happy she is because she's. it's not like she's really getting the opportunity to do much. Yeah, it's it's very strange. I don't know what the strategy is here. I feel like we have not really heard from her a lot. Um, 
It feels like she's been put in charge of obviously the crisis, the border, what has happened, what has changed. I would love to see her speaking out more about what is happening or what she's looking to do. It just comments like this and headlines like this don't help right now her cause and any sort of possible run for president as well. Now, police are investigating after six teenagers were injured in a shooting at a park near Aurora Central High School today. According to CBS Denver, the victims ages 14 to 17 have been taken to the hospital. Police said they were searching for a suspect who was no longer at the park but did not give a description. And we'll keep you up to date with any of the latest. Right now, that's trending on Twitter. And what's trending this hour? What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yeah, Lemon Well is being something else. Um, he's the latest celebrity to have thoughts about cancel culture. It's time for mm. the T Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Lynn Manuel Miranda isn't a fan of being canceled. You know, the singer and playwright is no stranger to criticism of his work and recently addressed the whole notion of cancel culture. Now, he has discussed uh, the backlash against his own projects in a lengthy profile with The New Yorker. He received uh, some hate for his musical film uh, In the Heights, where he was slammed for lacking Afro-Latinx representation. Of course, he explained to the publication that um, that he understands that critics will have opinions about his movies, regardless of his high success. Saying this, once something has success, you're not the underdog trying to make it happen anymore. You have to graduate past the mindset of like, it's a miracle. I got something on the stage, but now that is expected of me. And people go, yeah, but what about this? What about this? And that's not fair. I do that with art. I find lacking. Um, He says, it's not cancellation. That's having opinions. So I I try to take it in that spirit. Um, He added that he also won't let the haters influence his creative process, despite his willingness to hear criticism head on. He says, the challenge I find myself in is how do I stay hungry? Hmm. What does that mean? How do I stay hungry? Like in in it, passionate? Yeah, I don't really even know what that means either. I I think it's interesting. I think this kind of take is, is... it feels a little semi-healthy of being like, it's not cancellation. Yeah. It's just people having their concerns, their opinions. And I I hope he's actually listening it, listening to them and, and hearing them out and looking at it from a very needed perspective where it's just like, if a group of people are saying these things from said community who are experiencing the lack of representation, then maybe you should tune in and, and listen. And so, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think this is, wasn't the worst take I've heard. Hmm. Yeah seems like he he's knows what he's talking about and he's doing the best he can with the situation yeah that is your tea report though i got more coming up next hour well next up as we celebrate trans awareness week how this clinic is revolutionizing healthcare for the trans community stick around for that after this Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, the 2015 U.S. Transgender Survey by the National Center for Transgender Equality reported that just 40% of transgender people were out to all of their healthcare providers. And many providers have also, as we know, historically discriminated against the community or struggled to provide truly comprehensive transgender care, which is why this clinic we're going to find out more about is doing such important work. And joining us right now is Dallas Dukar, who's the... um, uh, the Chief Executive Officer of Trans Health Northampton. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Shira. Okay, so tell us more about Trans Health because it, it, you're really revolutionizing healthcare. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Trans Health really is a groundbreaking, independent, comprehensive trans healthcare center. 
And it's really built to empower trans and gender diverse adults, children, and families. You know, I'm trans, and throughout our history as a community, trans and gender diverse people have really had to look to each other for healing, support, affirmation. And, and we really want to honor that by providing comprehensive professional health care for trans people, by trans people, and not just clinical care, but research, yeah. advocacy, education, community partnerships, the whole gamut, really. So how did your, um, how did the business kind of change, especially during the pandemic? I, I always find that really interesting on how a lot of, you know, especially healthcare centric businesses had to kind of pivot during that time. Well, Ryan, it really had to pivot mainly because of uh, access issues, right? So we found that a lot of individuals were unable to really even enter hospitals to get access to basic care. And so we really had to think about how we would revolutionize healthcare by, by pivoting and using technology. And the way that we did that was actually harness the power of telehealth. During the initial stages of the pandemic, Governor Baker in Massachusetts has actually uh, issued an emergency order, as many other states did across the country, and expanded telehealth, uh, not only in Massachusetts, but actually uh, across uh, the, the country, states were doing this. And it allowed us to see patients, not only in Massachusetts, but across New England, and, and really on a, a national level, too. It allowed us to expand access profoundly. And in only five months, we've been able to see about 500 individual patients, which is amazing for especially the trans and gender diverse population in a new clinic. And along with that, we've really been able to offer services in uh, rural settings, right? Because we are in a rural space. Mm. So that not only means telehealth services, but also being able to have appointments on the phone if people don't feel safe uh, you know, getting through their community in some way or don't have access to transportation, they can, uh, you know, have a, have a phone call with the provider. We can uh, make sure that hormones are, say, delivered, for example. Um, and, you know, in the same vein, we're also looking to really expanding community services now to be able to hold hybrid groups, whether they're makeup classes, whether they're weightlifting classes, whether they're uh, tax preparation classes, right? We really want to expand the scope of what's considered affirming healthcare or really yeah. what's considered healthcare overall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing and so needed. What about if someone is outside of uh, Massachusetts right now? So right now, because of the restrictions that uh, Massachusetts has placed back uh, in, legally at least right now, we are unable to see patients uh, outside of Massachusetts um, which is, I think, in my mind, really ridiculous, right? This is an access issue. So there was a time temporarily during the pandemic that we were able to, and now states have actually rescinded those executive orders and made it so we could not. And so we are lobbying and working with officials on state levels and federal levels to try to expand access to telehealth because we really know that telehealth is crucial for the trans community. And there's there's lots of ways to do this. There are uh, legal options. Sorry, there are legislative options right now that are actually going through Congress and have bipartisan support, such as the Treat Act. There's also individuals looking into unified licensing across the country. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're really a uh, a patchwork healthcare system, and and we need a unified approach where we can be able to offer comprehensive healthcare to people across the country because. At the end of the day, it 
is going to be somewhat rare, at least right now, to have a, a trans-owned, by us, for us space. Yeah. But if we can expand access to that, then we don't have to rely on creating a clinic in every town, although that might be the dream, but at least getting access to um, comprehensive primary care and mental health care that is gender-affirming uh, across our catchment area and expanding further. Yeah, and so we have about like 15, 30 seconds left. And I, I w- really can't help but think about if people are like newly trying to, you know, come into themselves and they're, and I, I, I don't know, for lack of better words of saying newly trans, even though, you know, and, and trying to come mm-hmm. into that space. What are some tips on trying to find, you know, spaces that feel affirming and also could help them, you know, you know health-wise as well? Sure, yeah. So I would say that, um, actually, uh, TransHealth.org, our resources page, has a ton of resources for people, oh, uh, mm. especially community-centered resources. There's also organizations like Fenway Health, for example, that offer uh, large groups. And then, you know, I would also say, honestly, pl- community spaces like, like Reddit can be a good place to just get connected with folks. Um, but there's a lot of online resources, too. And a good starting point might be our website, transhealth.org. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. That was Dallas Dukar, the CEO of TransHealth Northampton. Thank you again. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Sharon Ryan. I appreciate it. Next up, a hacker is taking over Instagram accounts, forcing their owners to make hostage-style videos. This is just crazy. We'll tell you more next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's a really scary Instagram hack happening right now. A hacker forces victims to make this hostage-style video and promoting this Bitcoin money-making scheme. Okay. Yeah, exactly. This sounds wild. So this one person gave an example of how this works. Like, the hacker hacked into his friend's account. Right. Started talking to this person. So imagine someone hacked your account and started talking to me. Even though I would see you every day being like, why are you talking to me about cryptocurrency? You know, you would think you would call someone up to be like, let's have a conversation about this. Anyway, so this person thought it was his friend, ends up like sending him money and then finds out it's not his friend. And then is like, well, you know, now you actually need to promote this or I'm going to hack you. I'm going to figure something out and basically forces him to make this hostage shell video, which will play the video. This is what kind of what it sounds like. I invested $500 and got $10,000 back. Is real and legit. Yeah, and and he's staring at the camera looking like he hasn't slept for days, this guy. And it promotes the hacker's scam, which is like, why would anyone To make it seem like it's actually Yeah, it's real because it's coming from like someone someone who is a popular account. yeah. Yeah. Wow. First of all, I would never feel obligated to do that at all. Even if someone's in my... DM saying they'll do this, do that, release my nudes, all these things. I'm like, girl, great, release them. It. I don't care. They're great nudes. <laughs> and then also, it's just like, what is like, 
why even fall for these things? I I I, I rarely look at my DMs anyway. Mm. Um, and so for me, it's kind of like that stuff is gonna sit there. I've had messages where people. You know, have said they promoting me to get a social media manager and yeah, things like I've that. Like that it's like too. weird stuff. <laughs> um, but you just gotta ignore that stuff. Like, uh, and plus, y'all couldn't fool me with no cryptocurrency stuff because I don't care right. about it enough at all. So, <laughs> I've had some moments. Uh, I'm now I know better, right? I had one moment where it was the first time I got a message like this. Now I get these messages all the time. Somehow, this is the first one I saw. And they were like, hey, we do this advertising thing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I don't need to give them a password, this, that. I could just, like, add them to the account to advertise on my account, which is legitimate. And that was when the whole porn hack happened into my (laughs) company's Facebook account. (laughs) Second time, oh, my, you remember this. I told you, wait, this this gets bad. I get an email from my aunt saying, please uh, get in touch with me right now. Like, I need your help. And and she says she's out of town. She needs to send a present to her friend, an Apple iTunes card or something. But she's out of town. She can't seem to do it. Is there any way I could help? And so I was like, okay. Sends me the email of the person. I'm about to send like a $300 Apple iTunes card to this email. Which, Why? But Who's then even I decide, asking for Apple iTunes I don't know, because she's like, I'm out of country, I can't seem to do this. I was like, you can... Anyway, finally I decide, you know what, I'm going to text someone in her family to see if she's actually out of country. Smart. I text her son, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, she just got hacked. Like, all of us are getting this email. I'm like, well, thanks for letting me know. I almost sent this money to this person, and I actually sent them an email being like, you know, it's really wrong what you're doing. FYI, I know you're a scammer. <laughs> you thought that was going to oh. somehow change and that? Then, Be like, I'm so sorry, I will never scam again. Wait, and then uh, there's a shaman that I follow, This, uh, who's an actual shaman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wait, that, wait, I, that's just a, something you don't wait, think you hear listen. all every... No, actually, he's like, I know him, and he DMs me, or, oh no, hits me up on WhatsApp, and he's like, hey, it's the shaman, you know, we follow whatever on Instagram. I was like, oh, hey. Somehow, I don't know, and and is like, hey, I actually want to give you a reading, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, so we're having like a whole conversation. And then he's like, after that, we have a text back and forth. He's like, okay, well, I can elevate this. Like, if you want to do an actual paid reading, this is what we could do. So I decide to message my friends on Instagram. He's like, have you messaged me on WhatsApp asking for you to pay for a reading? And he's like, no, that is not me. I don't, my thing is, I've, I've never, I'm so happy. Sorry I good just, to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it just, you proved how easy you are to scam. But, no, I've learned now my lessons. I'm getting better. It's what like if someone muscle. just finds, I, my thing is, I think it's all about, the reason why people get scammed is because they don't think things through and then they move too fast. Yep. Those are the two main two things. Hello. If you don't just stop and sit for a moment <laughs> and be like, this is suspicious. <laughs> Then maybe you wouldn't get scammed, right? I understand if you're like kind of an elderly person, things happen, right? But if you are young and thriving, please get off the internet. <laughs> and that's all I have to say on that. That's your PSA. Yes. Right now. Well, yes. Uh, hope you learn from me and from this horrible story. Just be careful out there in social media world. Speaking of wow. which, could po- apostrophes go extinct? How social media is ruining our grammar that's next 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Researchers looked at 100 million words to analyze trends and found this. The future of language. Casual and ungrammatical language has become more prevalent in the last 30 years. Why, you might ask? Well, it's because of social media. Because of the limits of the word count in places like Twitter, we're taking out apostrophes, we're taking out other words to make a sentence make sense so we could fit everything into a caption. Do you find that you're doing this when you're posting things? Well, uh, for me, I, I've, I've never said that I was a writer. I don't think I'm a writer at all. Um, I've only kind of started to kind of write more in certain things when it comes to like just different parts of the job that I do. Um, I don't think I've ever thought about it grammatically. I, it, to be honest, I just downloaded Grammarly. And Grammarly has been my go-to, and they keep me together for all grammatical, you know, mistakes, punctuation mistakes. Everything is perfect if you do. And I'm, this is not even sponsored. I'm just saying, you know, it's just it's something that I rely on. But I have starting to see some people um, when it comes to questioning the the language of kind of like if you're a journalist and and you're a writer in that sense journalistic integrity you yeah. know writing in lower all lowercase like I've seen things like that happen where like online in Twitter it's really interesting depending on how much of a like a nerd or how much you're on social media you can start to see that a lot of the popular accounts who are just kind of regular people who are like fans or stands or whatever. They all type in lowercase. Like, Twitter has developed its own kind of, like, language and the way that you even type out sentences or abbreviations or uh, structurally what sentences look like to mean certain things that if you're on, only people online would understand and only people on Twitter would understand. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've always thought that was really interesting because you don't really see that on any other social media platform. You only see it on Twitter because Twitter is about your words. Well, also because it's like has its own community and there's certain lingo that you would only use there. But it's also, not even lingo. It's what? just like typing all your tweets in lowercase. Like people do that. I still use sentence structure. I do take things out. If I need to say something and I, I don't do want that. to put it in a multiple tweets, I will take out like A or instead of like and I'll put it a, a plus sign, like stuff like that. Yeah. So you might say... I'm really into Ryan today. I really like him as a friend. And if that's too long, you might be really into, you might say, really into Ryan. Like him as friend. (laughs) I I don't think, I don't think anyone's saying that. Condense it a bit. No, but I'm saying like that, like if I was going to say that, there's ways to condense it to make it shorter and abbreviate, but that becomes like the language. Also in text messages, like our uh, uh, grammatics have changed. Is that a word? Grammar. Grammatics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm one of the people <laughs> they are studying. Literally, anytime producer Vanessa uh, makes sure that you're right, <laughs> then they, you know you're wrong. Just saying. Um, I'm going to Google that. Anyway. Grammar. Um, yeah, she was right. If you're, you know, even on text message, you might start using emojis, not even full sentences. You can't even describe your emotion because you're just using an emoji. Like a kissy face or something. What does that mean? I mean, I don't know how many people really use apostrophes like that. I've never really even noticed this. I, this is a very Well, it's not just the apostrophes. That's just one example. But I don't think my grammar is worse because of social media mm-hmm. at all. I, I, I don't think so at all. I think there's a lot of things we're starting to normalize being taken out 
because of social not, media. Not if you're actually doing like legitimate writing. No, you. there's certain things that you have to keep in there. Well, that's the hope. But like if you're just online, just doing whatever you do, who cares? Well, it's still considered like English, like communication. And as long as people understand what you're saying, language. of course, yeah. But if you're not capitalizing everything, if you're not putting a period or anything. I don't think it's like. But so people this are is an issue I see sometimes in the, with the young people I work with. Even though I just made up a word myself, uh, like the way that, that they will say things will be like, "Okay, this is funny on like a TikTok video or this that," but like this isn't a full sentence. Like sometimes that happens because you you're not sure you're like mixing up like how you're communicating but if they're doing it to the target audience that would automatically understand it then it's just like of course and that's gonna alienate maybe a whole generation of people but that's how grammar i mean that's just how it just evolves yeah evolving works unfortunately well anyway this is all very fascinating let us know if you think hmm. the apostrophe is going extinct. I never thought about At this. LGT Show on social media is where you can find us. Next up, why a Florida school board member has filed a criminal report over a black queer memoir and what this celebrity has to say about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there is back and more music coming up on Channel Q, but we've got more show for you and news of the day. Kim Kardashian is reacting to Paris Hilton's wedding over the weekend. What went down next in the T-Report in a moment. Plus, for all my lazy folks out there, new research that reveals that laziness doesn't exist. Yep, that's in 15 minutes on the show. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Jill Woolbright, a school board member in Florida, has filed a criminal complaint about the book All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson, which explores the author's experience growing up as a queer black person. The board member claims the book's presence in some schools in the district violates the state's obscenity laws. Gabrielle Union, meanwhile, who optioned the TV rights to All Boys Aren't Blue earlier this year, took to Twitter to defend Johnson in the book, saying, what's she going to do when the TV show comes out? You cannot stop the truth. Now, former Representative Beto O'Rourke said today that he is running to become governor of Texas, aiming to become the first Democrat to hold the seat since the 1990s. When the electricity grid failed and those in power failed all of us, it was the people of Texas who were willing to put their differences behind them and get to work doing the job at hand, which meant helping our fellow Texans get through that crisis. We did this out of a sense of duty and responsibility to one another. Now imagine if the governor of Texas felt that same way. Well, there's something that you and I can do about that. I want you to be part of this campaign. Now, O'Rourke rose in popularity during the 2018 midterms when he challenged Republican incumbent Ted Cruz in the Senate race. He lost and then lost after running as a Democrat incumbent for the 2020 presidential race as well. So a lot of losses, but he continues to try to make it work. So good on him. That That's hard when you keep losing, but still want to run and focus on politics after all of that exactly that was what's trending this hour what's happening in entertainment news ryan okay so kim has been at a lot of weddings kim k uh, but she made this hilarious joke at one of her friend's weddings. Um, uh, basically, it was a pre-wedding celebration for her Sam, her friend uh, Simon Huck and his fiance. And it is really cute. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Now, you know Paris Hilton is having a whole bunch of like wedding festivities, but she opted out on Friday night uh, to head over to her other friend who's having some wedding festivities okay. as well. And during the... Uh, an, uh, I mean, elegant affair. Kim Kardashian toasted the couple while making a few lighthearted jokes at her own expense. 
I was a little bit confused because I uh, haven't really figured out this marriage thing myself, so I don't know what kind of advice he thinks I'm going to give to us. So she also was like, it's honestly so nice to be here for a gay wedding. I mean, I haven't been to one since my second wedding, um, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, now, of course, you know, she's going through this divorce. And I guess everyone was saying, well, what's your advice to the lovely couple? And that's what she had to say, being like, I don't know what I can say to them. Uh, she looked gorgeous, though. And mm-hmm. all these weddings, I would be wedding, like, I would be so tired of weddings. Wedding out. Yeah, I would wet it out. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, thanks for that. I like how she has a bit of a sense of humor for her life. She always has, yeah. Yeah, 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 she always has. Well, next up, why you can't use laziness as an excuse anymore for not doing anything. More on what researchers are saying next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Laziness is universally used as an excuse whenever we don't get something done, right? And I mean, this quiz we did earlier this year, you remember this, Ryan, said my toxic trait is laziness, right? Say we're true. How rude. Both of you. (laughs) But according to this social psychologist, sorry, but laziness doesn't exist. Dr. Devin Price joins us right now, the author of Laziness Does Not Exist. Very simple. Uh, Welcome to the show. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, I love this. I love the bold statement. How did you come up with this theory? So I really kind of came into this realization myself from being someone who was totally an overachiever, totally like playing by the rules of society that tell you that your worth is kind of defined by your productivity. And even as someone who was for most of my life really good at that, it's still reached an end point where I was just completely sick and just falling apart. Um, And then I started kind of looking at the lives of my own students and particularly the students of mine uh, who had been taught in the past or told in the past by teachers of theirs that they were lazy. And Mm. it started becoming just really clear to me that the people that we tend to call lazy in society and the people who are worried the most about being lazy are the people who are the most overburdened. They're juggling so many different struggles and limitations. They're marginalized. And we really just usually use laziness as kind of a short, a shorthand for, I don't want to care about this person's context and why they're struggling, basically. So, yeah, you actually talk about situational context. And I would love to know, why is it important to understand that and how it applies to everyone's life? Yeah. um, So I think because, uh, especially in America, we're in a really like individualistic culture. We're taught this idea you're supposed to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And that means we're all really inclined to think about ourselves and other people as like the masters of our own destiny. Mm -hmm. And what really kind of falls between the cracks there is that then we don't notice how uh, different social systems failing people or just failing to take care of marginalized people, for example, just means that... um, it just isn't a matter of simple willpower uh, and, and effort to determine who succeeds and who fails in society. So we really kind of have to overcorrect for that bias because we are, it's just drilled into us so hard that you're supposed to just magically choose to be focused and driven and motivated all the time, no matter how many setbacks, you know, you started off with um, for all kinds of different structural reasons. Yeah, definitely. So if you're on the other side of this and you notice that someone is having a hard time, how are you supposed to approach it? Yeah, so I always encourage people, get curious about a person's circumstances and get curious with a sense of humility, right? So if you're a teacher and you're really frustrated with a student who seems totally unmotivated, 
um, just realizing you don't know what's going on in their life outside of the classroom and also recognizing that what can look like someone being like apathetic and not caring and not having the right attitude, that looks a whole lot like things like depression and the learned helplessness that you get from oppression and um, from from trauma. And so um, you're not always going to get the chance to know someone's full story, but I think just approaching with the assumption that whatever I'm seeing is someone's best and they're facing just a litany of struggles and challenges that I can't even see. That helps open the door for figuring out what somebody's story really is. Yeah. But a lot of this, this thought process is kind of like ingrained in the DNA of our education system. And a lot of the biases that teachers and educators um, already carry. So it's kind of like, how do you restructure that? How do you kind of, you know, tear that down where you're kind of getting a fresh slate Um, because at this point it seems like yes some teachers will adopt this ideology but others are going to think how they are especially when it comes to students of color (laughs) and other marginalized groups yeah absolutely i think that's true in the workplace and it's true in school where if you're just playing by the rules of the institution even if you're the nicest manager or teacher in the world you're still going to end up treating students unfairly in these system systematic ways Um, And so I think you have to basically kind of be a rebel as quietly as you can, whether that's things like waiving late penalties and not forcing people to prove why they needed an extension Mm. or same thing with employees, finding ways to get around systems that say that you need a doctor's note to prove you were sick, because, of course, it's going to be the poorest, busiest people who can't even get that doctor's note, even when they are profoundly sick. Right. Um, And I think also it's just about not driving yourself so hard that then you resent everyone around you who you perceive as not working as hard as you are. So Mm. it's being more gentle on yourself, finding what rules you can kind of subvert and let go of and just treating other people with compassion. Yeah. I always say if you are hard on yourself, you are probably extending that to other people. (laughs) It's so true. You know, in my book, I interviewed a lot of really burnt out people, really like working 80 hour weeks kind of people. And the sickest, saddest thing about it was they were always mad at their other coworkers who weren't working quite as self-destructively hard instead of being mad at their boss who put them in that situation or their workplace that put that expectation on them. So I think when we are more gentle with ourselves, that makes it easier to be gentle with other people. And it just helps. It helps all of us kind of lower the bar a little bit in a really healthy way. Well, look at that. No longer am I lazy, everyone. I just might have some other issues happening at that time. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) He doesn't think so. Ryan doesn't see that. Dr. Devin, you got to help me. I mean, just, you know, just take care of yourself and do what's good for you and let the judgment, (laughs) let the judgment come. But you know that you're, you know, looking after your health. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Dr. Devin Fry, social psychologist and author of Laziness Does Not Exist. Thank you again so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, next up, do you keep secrets from your parents? What this parent has to say about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So this mom asked in psychology today, why is my teen keeping secrets from me? Because she's a teenager? (laughs) I mean, it's part of it, right? Part of being a teenager. Have you always kept secrets from your uh, mom? Did it start in your teenage years? Yeah, probably. When I think the reason why kids start to uh, keep secrets is because they see how their parents react to mm, other things yep. instead of just kind of like 
being there for them in, in, in a non-judgmental way. And and if you're a parent who lets your fear control your reaction, then it kind of is how you, I don't know, it, it really becomes a staple in, in your kid's life because that's how they remember everything. They're going to think you're going to react like that to everything. You get scared. Yeah. I feel like looking back when I was younger, I did, so I did try cigarettes when I was like in fifth grade. I was so young. Fifth grade? I know, because I had an older brother. So you had smoker's breath at No, 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 grade? I tried it, and, like, and then I, I was like, no, at six, you know, or fifth grade, or sixth Don't grade. Don't change the story now. It's fifth, sixth grade. Which one is it, fifth <laughs> or sixth? Those are two so drastic then, changes. What was crazy is I introduced... Then I, I think I introduced my friends to it in, in like seventh, like here and there on the weekends. We'd go to a restaurant, and like get cigarettes, and then I stopped doing it because I was just like, "This sucks. I don't. This is gross." And then they all continued throughout all of high school. They're non-smokers now, but that's one thing I bring it up because I didn't obviously tell my parents that. However, when I did start drinking and doing that, I think I was honest with my parents, like, "Oh yeah, I got really drunk last night," or. Oh, I couldn't That never. type of stuff. Well, my thing is I wasn't doing drugs or drinking or anything when I was um, when I was a kid. Like, I wasn't doing... I was actually very kind of prudish in that way. Like, I didn't believe that. I think it's also because of the type of household I grew up in. And so I never tried it. I always thought it was bad. I w- I, also, religion was tied to it. So I thought I would be going to hell immediately mm-hmm. if I tried it. Um, and so with that, I would say, like, most of my childhood years were very, like... I don't know, like innocent in mm-hmm. some ways. Uh, when I got to college, when I got to kind of experience certain things and I, I had my own car and I got to kind of hang out with certain people and my friends, I always kept good people around me. Like I always felt like I always had that intuition of knowing if someone was good or not. But when you're dealing with someone who's kind of a helicopter mom who wants to kind of control every aspect of your life, then that can be a little bit more difficult because they can plant like little seeds of like doubts about, you know, little things. And then you just don't want to share your experiences yeah. with her. So you're her. just like t- cutting her out of your yeah. life entirely. Like I have, I mean, I still do that to this day. My mom doesn't even know we have a billboard up there in Palm Springs. Like there's things about work that I don't include my mom in. Yeah, I say I send those things to my parents because I just want them to be proud of me. Like, look, I'm doing something. I swear I'm doing Yeah, I, I mean, I want that as well. But, like, my therapist has told me, like, sometimes you, you're you putting, you know, these things on people that they're just not capable of oh, giving Oh, yeah. Them. If if it's going to end up so being disappointing capable, yeah. to you, then That's there's just, no point. There's no point at all. The one thing, and producer Vanessa mentioned this. Uh, Go ahead. Nope. <laughs> I just realized we were talking about something off air that I didn't get her permission to bring you up. You always do that. You can bring it up. Or do you want to share it? She always does it. No, I was just telling Shira how uh, I'll always lie to my mom. Even though I know she knows that I'm lying, I'll be like, she'll be like, are you saving money? And I will always say yes, <laughs> even if I have zero dollars. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, are you sure? Those are, like, those are, yes. I do that same thing That's, with my mom yeah, as that, well. That is to, the thing. Because when, when parents are in the, the mode of like kind of like being naggy or just ranting, you're trying to get shut them up and get them off the phone. Well, also, if if you know that they, they told you so, right? You don't, you don't want them to say, I told you so. So you want to prove that you've got it. Even though True. things are falling and if apart, you don't got it, so you just but no, that exactly. I told that I told you so has uh, so has gotten me in so much trouble in the past, like financially specifically, where I've been so afraid of having to like deal with all of the unnecessary drama that comes with just asking for help, where you just 
continue to dig yourself in a hole further and further and further because there has not been given, there hasn't been any space given for you to make any mistakes, which sucks. And that's for me, I don't want to be that type of parent. Yeah. Well, this happened to me with my dad where I had that moment where like a lot of stuff was falling apart and he was trying to help me, but then he was still in that kind of making me feel ba- bad. I don't know if he was overtly doing this about the situation totally that I was, was. in. Anyway, so then <laughs> I, I, I had something, an issue with my car, and I was like, oh, I can't call him up again and tell him what happened because I'd just gotten over this one issue with my car that was cost me a lot of money. And so finally, though, I decided to say, hey, you know what? I, I got into another thing. And he goes, oh, I knew that. I was like, well, how did you know? He goes, because you rented a car, and for some reason it's connected to like our AAA account that we have as oh, a family what? or something. <laughs> and he's like, so I knew something was up, but thanks for letting me know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I used to be so bad at that too. Like if I needed, like my mom, this I used to do this back in the day. It's so bad. So like my mom's car would be like attached to my phone if I couldn't pay my phone bill or something, and I would just like pay it with her card, and and then she would like call me and be like, "Did you just use my card to pay off your phone bill?" And then I would have to like tell her like, "Oh, I'm poor as hell right now." Like hint hint. Yeah. But it's like, it's just, it it can be, you know, if parents don't give their child enough space to come to them for anything, then they shouldn't be shocked that kids are keeping secrets from them. Yep. Well, next up, what happened when this person caught her best friend cheating with her husband? It all got caught on camera, actually, and it's a viral TikTok. We're going to be playing some of it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, earlier in the show, we were talking about security cameras and what's an invasion of privacy, what feels right. Well, this didn't happen in an Airbnb, the story we're about to talk about. It happened in someone's home. Okay. She talked about how she let her friends move in to her house with her and her um, husband. First mistake. uh, She had a bad feeling in her gut that something was happening, so she put a camera in the house somewhere and basically discovered that the two were having sex and she posted on tiktok that she's about to tell her friend and confront her and she's like so i and the the caption says so i put the camera in the house because my gut was just not sitting right it wasn't even about him or her that never even crossed my mind i didn't think that they were doing anything i thought that he was sneaking somebody in like that he had previously cheated on me with oh so this guy's a cheater he's a cheater that's why i put the camera in the house so yesterday i was looking at the camera come to find it out it it's this B word, and we've been friends for like four years. Good friends. She needed somewhere to go. I let her move in. Wow. Anyway, so I haven't told neither of them um, about the camera. I haven't told either of them that I even know because when he gets home from work, I'm going to ask them, and then I'm going to show them the video. Well, I know one person that's going to enjoy Adele's new album. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> because, girl, it's time for a divorce. Get him up out of there. Get both of them up out of there. It, well, it seems, according to this, that she's told them and that this person is no longer her friends. Uh, I would hope. I hope that she's also thrown this guy out, too. I know, right? Because my thing is, girl, if he keeps cheating on you, then, like, what does that say about how you feel about yourself? Mm. No shade. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. No, that's there's, real. There's, there's that to look into, too. And in order to get that's to that work... That's a major work, thing to look Well, yeah, into. that's a big part of it. In order to even get there to that realization, you got to kick him out and start focusing on you and not having negativity in your life and someone cheating on you. Yeah, my thing is, it's kind of like, I, I, I don't care if that person is doing... You know, I don't care where they have to go. They just got to get up out of my house because if they're going to come in and do all of that in the, the house, I wonder if she pays bills in or whatever. It's hers. 
Um, it just feels like they don't respect her at all. Of course. When said, let her finish the laundry first, though. Maybe some dishes, too. <laughs> Have her clean the entire house while you're at it before you no, confront her. I don't need her touching anything. Uh, never bring a third party into your home, no matter how much trust you got in She them. has to go. Get her out of here. So my partner was looking for someone to rent uh, one of their his rooms in his house. And I was like... The thing is, you have to have trust, but there is something to be said, like a what, like a student or a nurse, like. And I'm like, oh, would I feel comfortable? That's why I'm always like, well, if it's someone old, this is so mean, or maybe not as good looking as me. (laughs) Is that mean? Well, that's the truth. All right, I'm being honest here. Those are things that run through your minds when, like, if you're not going to be there a lot and they're going to be I, alone in this I, house. I agree with this idea. Right? Yeah, I agree with this idea. Or someone of that he's not attracted but to. But also, if you have those things popping up. It's my own thing. It's true. It's something yeah, to look at. Yeah. But also, dot, dot, dot. But also nothing. I know. You know? You either trust him or you don't. That's true. I do trust him. But still, do I want, like, a little hippy-dippy person running around naked all day well why would they be naked don't you set rules what is up with nudity this episode (laughs) let's go there with shira and ryan channel q we are wrapping up the shows we always do with our yes queen of the day yes queen this one goes to sesame street who's going to debut its first ever asian american muppet this thanksgiving day at only seven years old korean american character ji young is going to be in the parade her debut what? In the parade? The, like, because you said Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. No, it's going to happen just on Thanksgiving Day as the Muppet. They're going to, like, just reveal. Oh, in that, in that I, episode. I love the parade. I wish it was having at the parade as a float. That would be cute. Like a big balloon. Yeah, well, the character will be rocking out on her electric guitar, skateboarding, and making history as the first Asian American Muppet in the Sesame Street canon. The children's TV program, which first aired 52 years ago this month, and gave uh, the AP a first look at its adorable new character. And let me tell you, we have pictures here, but she's really cute and sweet. And I'm just happy they're doing this. It's so needed. Oh, I love that too. She's also going to be joined on the show by guest stars Padma Lakshmi and Naomi Osaka. So you can look forward to that episode, Thanksgiving Day. I feel like this is something for kids, but also for the adults out there who want to celebrate this important move. I agree. And that's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. That also does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, of course, we've got what's trending this hour. We've got the tea, and we're going to be talking about topics like how to navigate harmful diet talk during the holidays. That's tomorrow. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember the sleigh. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris where he's talking about shame and how to deal with it. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 